The following presentation was recorded at the Newbury Buddhist Monastery, Victoria, Australia. Please visit our website at nbm.org.au. So, um, this will be my third um, Dhamma talk for um, this year. Um, yeah, so as usual, when I do give a talk, uh, I like to talk what's happening around the world and and also with our practice and also in the monastery. Yes. Yeah, so um, it's been a quite a quiet and peaceful time during the last in the monastery. And uh, it seems like due to the lockdown, the monastery is even more quiet. So the monks have a lot of time to practice and also um, to um, basically have a more of a um, distance from our lay supporters because during our normal um, pre-COVID um, pandemic, you see we get a lot of um, um, people coming to offer uh, our only meal for, um, for the day. And sometimes we have up to about 20 to 200 people coming here. Uh, but due to the, the lockdown and the restriction mm -hmm. that's been cut down right down to the minimum. So um, sometimes we don't really have anyone coming here. So in a way, it's good for the monastic here, especially for the monks, because we can really have a really quiet time. So it's been a very peaceful and wonderful uh, wasa this year. Yes. Yes. But due to the restriction, time to time, we have to check online to see what's happening with the um, cases and the, and the um, COVID situation. But also one thing that I do check is uh, what's happening around the world. And I do notice uh, with the world, uh, with the, um, the issues of the world and the drama of the world is, is never ending. It's just always, seems like um, a never ending story of issues and drama. And recently we have um, a bit of, um, um, protests in Melbourne, and I I notice that um, people are getting really impatient, and sometimes um, um, our emotion can be our controller. So uh, yeah, so I thought maybe that's a good topic to um, talk about um, in uh, in Buddhist sense of um, the world and the eightfold path. Yes, our emotion is is quite important to practice. But also, it's a great source of um, insight here, yeah? because um, in Buddhism we are practiced to watch our mind, our body, and especially our feelings and our mind object uh, so through our sense doors. So it's very important uh, to understand what's happening with our emotions, because if we don't uh, take a um, be mindful, uh, understand what is happening uh, with our emotion. Uh, we can really get caught up with things in the world uh, through our five senses, and that can cause a lot of um, stress and unhappiness and deep and depression. So, um, so as as a Buddhist and also a human being, uh, we try and develop the higher mind, uh, and not to develop the um, the mind is our controller. Uh, because a mind that's our controller is a great source of our suffering but to ourselves and to other people. But our well-controlled mind is a great source of happiness to ourselves and other people. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, so when I was reflecting, yeah, uh, all this type of emotion, sometimes I notice up in the news. Yeah, even myself, before I was a Buddhist, um, yeah, I was, um, my emotion was completely out of control. Yeah, I was a bit of a, um, we say, crazy person. <laughs> I was working up in the mines because I started my apprenticeship up in the mines and I worked up in the mines for about eight years. And um, yeah, so I was quite young at that time. In my early 20s, I started my apprenticeship. So I spent a lot of um, hours uh, by myself um, working up in the mines. So the mines, that was about 20, 25 years ago. So it's quite a long time ago. But now I'm about 45. So when I first started the day, I was about in my 20s. So uh, working in the mines, it can be a quite a tough environment. Because you see, you are working with a lot of men and you're away from your family for a long period of time. So it was quite a tough uh, environment to be here. Uh, so um, the ratio of men and women is really unbalanced. Uh, so that normally there's about seven men to one uh, female. So um, yeah, so sometimes when you have that many men working in the mines, it can be a quite a aggressive environment. Uh, because the men can be very, quite macho, <laughs> yes. yes. But um, I think these days things have changed a lot. I'm in the mines, so it become a, one of a quite a pleasant environment to, to uh, work in. Because some, my dad's still working up in the mines, and he he's, he seems to be quite happy here. Because when he stays in Perth for too long, and he's working up in, in Perth for one station, then he can get a bit grumpy. So when he went back to the mines and work here. Yeah, um, you tend to enjoy the place more often because the system there was you go to work for two weeks, then you come back for one week. So it's quite a good system, flying and fly out. Yes. So he's always happy to come back here to visit the family. And for us, we we're always happy to see him again. Yeah. But when I first started I'm in the mine 25 years ago, we didn't have that system of flying and fly out. So I used to spend like up to six months up six roughly six months up in the mines so it's quite a long period of time so um yeah so i find that it was um yeah it was quite a difficult time by myself for myself being a young person working up in the mines so um yeah so you have to be quite tough and macho in the environment working up there yeah and sometimes you have learn not to um, show any emotion uh, or any weak emotion. So you have to be quite tough and sometimes be a, a bit aggressive. And um, as a young person, I find it was fine to um, to um, be a bit macho. But after a few years, uh, it actually got to me uh, where um, um, my, my, my thoughts, my feelings uh, was basically out of control. And um, some days I can't even um, rest properly because my mind was just spinning around from uh, one thought and one emotion because uh, I was trying to figure out what to do uh, and uh, it actually led to a, a bit of depression so I noticed um, looking at news these days uh, seeing people are pretty upset uh, and um, yeah been um, complaining a bit uh, so then I reflected back uh, when I was younger before I was Buddhist uh, I had the same problem uh, being stuck in one place for a long period of time uh, and not being able to see my family and friends 
working out the minds. So I was getting very emotionally unstable uh, and going to be crazy myself. Yeah, to the point where I, I hardly get any sleep. Uh, and uh, it actually affected my health. Uh. So later on, I decided to um, maybe try and do something about it. Uh. So one time I went to uh, visit a Buddhist center uh, and uh, it was a Visak day. Uh, and um, it was quite good. It was quite a um, good experience uh, because um, where I was working, uh, there was a small Buddhist community. So um, yeah, you see just older people. You see the older people go there. Uh. So being a young person uh, going there, for the first time, I mean, I, I have drove past there many times, but I never went and visit. So um, yeah, I decided to go and visit uh, during the Besak celebration, and there was quite a um, pleasant environment. I noticed people there was happy and quite friendly, uh, and uh, yeah, I got quite interested. Uh, so I went and asked if I can borrow a book, uh, and the book was uh, basically on um, good question and good answer, uh, and I read the book eh, on the Four Noble Truth and the reason why we suffer is because of our attachment. We are attached to things and because we are attached to things so much eh, that we can't let go. And when we, let, we can't let go, we suffer inside because the one thing was very strong and things that happen that we don't like and we try and push away. And if, if the more we don't want it eh, and we feel that we're trapped, eh, then the more we suffer. Eh. So I felt like that when I was working on the minds eh, that I was trapped. Eh. Yes. yes. So um, yeah. So when I start learning about all these emotions that are causing um, um, a lot of stress and happiness and anxiety, so I was determined to do something about it. So uh, one thing I first learned was meditation and also to develop loving kindness because that was the main main breakthrough um, for overcoming my my unhappiness when I was working up in the mines. So I spend a lot of time just um, being kind to myself, being kind to other people, uh, and just develop a um, kindness within myself. But the meditation did help a lot. Uh, yeah. So I slowly learned to um, overcome my problems. Uh, as happy, as getting overwhelmed my heart. Uh, and um, yeah, and one of the talk that I listened to was by Archie Brown. So Archie Brown was, um, yeah, we say one of the um, first Western monks that I came across her, and his Dharma talks was very clear and very easy to, to understand. So um, yeah, so at the time at the Buddhist center, there was other teacher, but usually they speak in uh, Mandarin or, um, or other different dialects or in, in Thai. So it's very hard to understand, but with Ajahn Brown's talk it was very simple and very basic and quite tongue down the earth. So it actually really uh, resonated to, with my practice. And one of the talk uh, that I, I listened to uh, was about, about the, the cup. Yes. So the cup is, I've got a cup here. So um, the cup, how heavy this cup is? Is it about half a kilo? No, it's less than half a kilo. Maybe even less than half a kilo. So it's not heavy. The cup is quite light. But if we hold on to this, then we'll feel the weight. And, um, the more we, if I hold on to this for another 10 minutes, then it will get heavier. And I, if I hold on this for one hour, then I will start to have a sore, sore arm. And if I hold on to this the whole day, then my arm will be really sore. And it will start to feel pretty heavier than, than, half, than less than half a kilo. And if I do this every morning, I wake up, 
hold the cup and they don't let go, and I hold on to it, then it will become a bit of a burden. So same with our, our emotion of um, stress, anxiety, and pain. The more we hold on to it, the heavier it becomes, and it becomes a burden. So when things um, become a burden, at least suffering, and um, same with the cup, we learn to let it go. We learn to put it down. And we let it go, put it down, then it's not a burden. So same with life, uh, with anxiety, stress, pain. Sometimes, time to time, when they do come, we have to learn to let it go, put it down. So same with the cup. Uh, so I'll have a drink. Yep, then I'll put it down straight away. Mm. So... Same with daily life, so when pain, anxiety, stress do arise, we learn to let it, put it down as soon as possible. And one way of learning to put it down is to basically practice meditation. Meditation is basically to decent ourselves from our problems. Basic meditation is like to clean and wash away the defilements of the mind, especially greed, hatred, delusion, or fear. Yeah. So when we, we practice meditation, we clean our defilements, and they wash away, we distance ourselves from this ne negative emotion. Yeah. So what meditation does, it brings peace of mind, happiness, and also silence. And also when you have a silent mind, in mindfulness, we become, we'll, we'll be there and become strong. So we become mindful in every moment, the time we wake up, the time we sleep. Yeah. And so holding on to the stress, to the worry, to any negative emotion. So it was quite beneficial when I first learned meditation up in the minds because time slowly, day by day, through loving kindness uh, and um, meditation, uh, I saw that I slowly changed, become more calm, more happier, and um, my emotion was out of control. Uh, yeah. Also, practice loving kindness, so that basically developed wholesome qualities. Yep. When you practice loving kindness, basically develop compassion and kindness. So that's matter. So there's a lot of benefit in meditation. So when we when we distance ourselves from our problem, calm our mind down. Scientists have found that there's a lot of benefit. It, it reduces negative emotions, reduce stress, reduce depression, reduce anxiety, reduce pain, especially in the body. Then it also bring balance back to our emotion, increase focus, then it builds um, manual skills, or you can manage the, uh, the stress. So that's one thing I noticed, because when I started doing a lot of meditation up in mind, I actually become quite productive, because it actually increased uh, awareness and focus.
Yes, also increase um, memory, and also lower high blood pressure. Because when we are stressed out or too anxiety, yeah, our heart will beat more, then that will increase our high blood our pressure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's one way of um, lowering high blood pressure through meditation. Because if we don't take care of our emotion, our emotion can harm our body. When there's too much anger, it will weaken our liver. And if there's too much grief, then it will weaken our lungs. If we worry too much, then we will weaken our stomach. And if we are stressed out too much, that will weaken our heart and our mind and our, or our brain. And then we have too much fear, then that will affect and weaken our kidney. Yeah. But if we develop things like love, loving kindness, it will bring peace and harmony to um, our body and mind. And if we laugh a lot, that will reduce our stress. And we smile a lot, then that will spread our happiness. So loving kindness is very important to practice. Yeah, so once I started uh, practicing loving kindness and uh, did a lot of meditation, I found that my life changed, become more happier, more peaceful. I can sleep a lot better and I start to have nice dreams. Yeah, but some people say it's harder especially in a, a lockdown restriction. People have to work, they have to learn a, earn a living. Yep, that's true. Sometimes we do have all this burden. But the good thing is, I was looking at a BBC reporter on um, some people that stay in Japan and they were staying in a very small, tiny apartment or a tiny house. And it was so small. It's like almost the size of a, um, a bedroom, uh, even smaller than a bedroom. Yep. It's just have a simple um, kitchen, shower, and upstairs was the bedroom. And the price was um, a lot cheaper to rent. And uh, yeah, and people have more time. The same, same for monastic. Um, we don't really do too much work. Only the work that we do uh, is to maintain the monastery and practice and a bit of teaching. Uh, but our kutis are very simple. It's like a simple um, hut in the forest. I mean, the kutis here, because we have a cold environment and it's quite windy and it rains a lot uh, and it snows sometimes. So, um, and to, re to build according to council uh, uh, regulation. So most of our cookies here, we have our own attached toilet shower, bathrooms. So it's a bit of a creature, creature of comfort and pretty deluxe. So when I first started um, my monastic practice, I had day in Bodhiyana Monastery, and those cookies very simple. It's almost like a garden shed in the forest. But due to uh, bushfires, they have improved quite a bit now. Because in the beginning, the house was made out of wood and, um, and that was also suitable. Eh? 
stay in the forest uh, with climate change and with the risk of bushfires. So now the um, as the as the monastery got more donation, uh, they start building um brick kutis. Uh, yeah. But if you ever seen a kuti uh, in a Bodhiyana monastery, you notice they are very simple. Uh, they're almost like four meters by four meters. So it's like a little tiny room, uh, maybe the size of a bathroom. Slightly maybe no, maybe slightly bigger than a bathroom. So they're very simple. Uh, so yeah, so I noticed a trend with um, some lay people, young lay people, um, they decide to move into tiny homes or tiny apartments. When you have less stuff, then you have less burdens and less things to uh, worry about. Yeah. So I, I saw a documentary on a, um, a program where they fought the minimalist movement in America, where people are just decide to just get rid of as much stuff as possible at home. Basically, they realize all this stuff at home, they're just collecting and collecting. And it's not really making them happy. It's become more of a burden and responsibility. So same with monastic, we don't have much. We only have um, our role to keep us warm, uh, a simple kuti as a shelter to practice, um, food, and medicine to maintain this body. And that's all we, that's all we require, these four requisites. Yeah. And um, for monastic, because we are not married, we're celibate, so we don't have the extra stress to uh, take care of our families, our kids. Yeah. So even though uh, he has been checking a lot of uh, young people, I choose not to get married and happy to be single. Because when you have a family, it's a bit of a burden. Yeah. But some people are happy to have families. It's fine. But the responsibility is just have to work harder. Because I noticed when I was working on the mines, some of my friends, they will be complain that they're lonely. They don't have a partner. They're single. And they're so depressed. And uh, yeah, unhappy. So they complain to me yeah, when they are, um, yeah, single and lonely. Yeah. And later on, when they got married, yeah, then they complain to me they don't have time. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it's a bit of a burden. Yeah. They have to work hard. They're not so free. And they have to uh, provide for the family. Yeah. They start buying a house and paying mortgage. And um, yeah, and paying, paying um, child's yeah, child support and things like that. Yeah, so, yeah, being a monastic, the great thing is we are free from all this burden. We don't have to really have to um, take care of, have a mortgage to pay off. We don't work. So if we don't work, we don't, I mean, most monastic, we are, we consider beggars because um, we don't have an income. We're not allowed to keep money. And uh, basically, we rely on charity of our uh, generous lay supporter. So as long as we're practicing, we do a, bit, a little bit of teaching today. And um, yeah, and we're practicing well, then our supporters come in and uh, feed us. And if, we, if we're not keeping the precept and we're not practicing properly, then the uh, supporters, they have the rights to um, basically not to come and support the monks, uh, especially if we are uh, um, 
So keep the preset and I become a bit dodgy. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes we get time to time, we get people bring up our supporters, ring up the monastery, especially in Perth, and ask the senior monks uh, what to do with monks that are monks and nuns, they're not behaving properly. Yeah. And you see the senior monks say, if any monk or nun is not behaving properly, you, you don't have to support him. He can choose to support other good monks and nuns by uh, practicing well. So, yeah, so our precept is very important. We're keeping our precept and we're practicing well, then the support will come. Yeah, so when we have less stuff, we have less problem. And if we don't carry our mental burden around, then we have less anxiety and worry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes reflecting on how things are happening in the world. Yeah, it is a bit sad right? because people put so much effort right? into uh, just getting a job, a career, a family, um, um, basically earning a lot, earning a really good living, yeah, so they can get a big house, uh, cars, holidays, everything. So when things are taken away, yeah, and things are not doing well in the economy, yeah, then you can lead to a lot of suffering, yeah. So yeah, so as a monastic, yeah, we don't have all this burden, except for just raising funds for monastery. <laughs> that can be a burden too. And when you first start a new place, so I remember the time when I first came to um, Newbury Buddhist Monastery, I came here to support my, my friend that just started this place and he was overworked and overwhelmed with uh, a lot of work and responsibility. So um, after that, he got really overworked and a bit burned out. So basically, he just um, took a holiday and just left the monastery. And um, he gave the monastery to me to um, just to manage with the nuns. So that was a bit of um, worry, stress, anxiety for my practice. So yeah, it, it did got to me a bit. And, um, and I didn't have, I was working so much trying to maintain this place and get things done in the monastery. Yeah? Because we were struggling in the early days, the first two days, first two years. Yeah? Yep. So uh, yeah, so I just got overwhelmed with work, responsibility and problems. Yeah? And um, yeah, the monastery was, we did have a bit of a debt, massive debt problem. <laughs> and we didn't have a lot of people coming in to support us uh, at that time in the early days. <clears throat> but it was good. I just be patient, take care of my own practice, especially my own practice among hardware. And um, I always remember Ashimbra told me, yeah, sometimes, time to time, I go back to the main monastery and have a break. So when I went back to the main monastery, and uh, some of the monks noticed I was a bit grumpy and um, complaining a bit. Um, yeah. So after two weeks, they saw the change. I stopped complaining too much and I become more happier. So within two weeks, uh, um, I basically unburdened myself. Uh, yeah. yeah. So sometimes it's very important uh, to time to time to uh, have a break and have a rest. Take care of one's mind, one's health, and uh, allow the uh, meditation to regenerate the mind and body. When the peace and happiness is there, then uh, yeah, things will come back. 
Yeah. But now Newburn Monastery has gone the opposite. We managed to pay off most of our debts and um, completed um, the the first stage of the monks monks new area. Completed in two thousand and twenty. And wow. So what a change when we pay off our debt. And um, set up a place for the monks, especially for the monks, and so the nuns have their own place. And uh, hopefully next month uh, we will start to um, have the ground groundbreaking uh, and start building the um, the lay center uh, or the retreat center for the lay people. Uh. So once that's completed, uh, we should have um, a proper four-fold community uh, of monks, nuns, and our lay male and female male and female practitioner. Once we have our own proper place, then that'll be a great place and a great benefit to all. Yeah. So it's quite interesting, yeah, because um when the, before I came here, um I was I went to visit one of my friends in another uh, monastery or temple. The um, Cambodian Buddhist Society of Western Australia. So I visit my friend there. Uh, he's usually by himself. And I go there, you see the body on the monks, we rotate the monks around and I give him support because sometimes for all monastic, we like to be with one another and also support one another, especially if there's a monk staying by himself. That's why myself, when I come here, I always come over with a group of monastic. Just to us for another. So when I was staying at the um, Buddhist Society of Cambodia in Western Australia, uh, I was invited by one of the supporters, myself, and the head monk that was staying there to um, do a Buddhist art gallery. So I said, okay, so that'd be interesting, yeah. Because for monks, we don't really go out much, yeah? um, but in Western Australia. There wasn't a lockdown, so we are free to travel around. So we went to the the art area, and I was thinking this would be interesting. Yeah, so maybe I'll be be looking at some um, Buddhist um, painting and stuff. But when I went have a look, I was going, "Oh, okay, this is a bit extreme." <laughs> so during the lockdown um, last year, there was a Taiwanese artist that's a Buddhist. And he got us all spare time. So he was basically um, did a lot of painting yeah, on Buddhist film. And one thing, a lot of painting he did was on um, the different plane of existence, mainly in, in the hell plane. So when I look at the um, the drawing, it was like, oh, you see people getting um, um, burned alive, boiled alive, eaten by um, the hell dogs. And um, chop and rip a parlor. I was going, hmm, this is interesting. Okay, in Buddhism, we, we, we do have this concept, but in 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 the West, normally we don't really talk about it too much. It is there, um, because sometimes we talk about things like that, it can really put people off because people are stressed enough and worried enough, and you don't really have to be exposed to this kind of Buddhist concept. But these things are true and they are mind-made. And our mind do create these things, our things in our next rebirth. If we're not careful, we don't take care of our mind, 
But these things we don't really talk about it too much, yeah, because especially in the West, you talk about things like that, you can really put people off, uh, off Buddhism. Uh, but things like this, they do exist, exist uh, but we don't really talk too much about it. So when I was looking at the art gallery, one of the hosts that was there, that's the lady, yeah, so she was doing a bit of study on those um, concepts, uh, and she, she was showing us around with my friend, and um, she was saying that she was a bit worried yeah? and um, getting a bit of anxiety yeah? of reading all these, these things uh, and thinking about it. Like. As a Buddhist monastic, you see, we try to help our uh, supporters and practitioners. So I told her that don't, you don't have to worry about all these planes. Because the main thing yeah, for Buddhists is you keep the five moral precepts, then that will guarantee we don't when we pass away from this life, we don't go down to the, to the lower ex, um, birth. Uh, that's one thing is, if we keep the five precepts, then that basically will avoid us um, behaving badly uh, by body switch and mind. So these five Buddhist moral precepts, uh, for those that don't know, uh, is uh, reframing on taking life, not, basically not killing all living beings. Uh, because when you kill, when you harm beings, um, yeah, it's been, it creates a lot of negative and bad karma, especially in the mind, because we see things and it becomes ingrained in our mind. Yeah. So, and we refrain from um, not taking what is not given, so not stealing anyone's property. And we refrain from um, any um, sexual misconduct. So we should um, basically as a Buddhist practitioner or lay Buddhist, basically just have one partner and don't go around having too many partners because that can lead to a lot of breakup and pain and suffering to other people. Then we refrain from um, wrong speech, so basically not lying, hard speech, or making things up, telling too many um, um, stories that that's not true. Then we refrain from um, taking drugs or alcohol. Uh, I think with alcohol, mm, that's a great area. Uh, I think for a monastic, um, yeah, all kind of alcohol uh, and drugs we avoid. But for lay practitioner, they see mm, best not to take any drugs, especially drugs. Uh, alcohol, I don't know, because um, for some people, they have a lot of excuses. Uh, they say you have to, for work, or they want to go and visit friends or family. Yeah. Because sometimes when you have a little bit, then it lead to more. So we try and refrain from that. And also I told my told the lady that was in the art career, practice loving kindness and compassion. Basic matter, practice matter. So when you develop wholesome qualities and keep precepts, then that won't lead to um, the lower planes. Because when we start animals, uh, then we become like animals. Then we can get reborn in those places. And we are very cruel. Uh, we live in, we inflict a lot of harm and suffering a lot of people, uh, especially in war zone and stuff. Uh, then basically the rebirth is not so good. Yep. Yeah, so loving kindness is very important to develop. Yeah, so as a monastic, 
when we stay in the monastery, especially, especially during the Vasala, yeah, we are free from all these um, worldly things and attachment. We have little stuff, we live a simple life in the monastery, and we have a local tea that we stay in. It's quite funny because um, I think a few days ago when I was in my good tea, I was like in my bed and the whole bed started moving and shaking. And I go, wow, this is interesting. It's an earthquake. Cool. <laughs> so when I was staying up in Christmas Island, working up in the mines there, yeah, time to time, there is some earthquake. So the whole place shake when there's an earthquake. Yeah, that was quite a long time ago. So uh, yeah, this is since a while since I experienced an earthquake where everything starts shaking. It only lasts about 10 minutes, not I mean 10 minutes, 10 seconds. It's quite short. But it's quite interesting because in the sutta, the Buddha say, when a monk becomes fully enlightened, the whole earth will shake. Yeah, just in just in the um, the whole um, you see, when someone becomes fully enlightened, it's a very powerful um, experience. It leads to a lot of benefit to a lot of human beings. So for humans and also for Davis, it's so powerful that the earth will shake. And also when um, a fully enlightened person, say Arahat or Buddha passed away, then also the, the earth was seen to so once a person will be, will become fully enlightened, and one of a fully enlightened being um, pass away from parinibbana, the the ground will start shaking. Yeah, so it's interesting. Maybe someone become enlightened. That's why the place is shaking. <laughs> Who knows? Anything is possible. Yeah. So yeah, I've been a monastic for twelve years now. Being a good experience, so I do see these defilements, emotion become less and less. Sometimes it, it does come back, but it's not there for too long, because when you are constantly practicing it, you're mindful of your emotion and feelings. All these unwholesome emotions will slowly become less and less. And also, the benefit staying in the monastery is everyone is practicing, and um, yeah, and also you be around. Senior monks, uh, Archon Brown and Archon Nisaranola. And uh, Archon Brown has been a monk for 40 plus years. And Archon Nisaranola has been a monk for more than 20 years. Uh, so it's quite, quite inspiring to be around senior monks and also other senior monks in Bodhiyana Monastery. That's been enrolled for 20 plus years. Sometimes we have visiting monks uh, that's been, um, been well practiced. And been enrolled for many many years, and you, you realize how um, just an example uh, how calm, how peaceful, and how wise they are, mm. and just just being around with them, just the presence of being around them, uh, you realize they have practiced well, uh, and they have let go a lot of worldly attachment, uh, and are quite peaceful, mm. and not moved by. Fame, blame, basically uh, the eight worldly winds uh, don't move by them much.
So meditation is basically just freeing ourselves from our worldly desires and freeing ourselves as less as possible from greed, hatred, delusion, fear, and purifying the mind and avoid evil and cultivating goodness. And this is saying, and this is the teaching of all Buddhists. Mind. Now, anyway, it's almost time to finish the talk. You see, I always tell a story. What story I tell? Okay, I tell my favorite story. So this story is about a monk and a baby girl. So um, quite a long time ago, the story starts is a, um, an old monk um, is staying up in the hills on the mountain, somewhere in Asia. And let's just mind his business and just practicing. And close to the monastery, down the hill, there's a village. And there's a village where um, these people like to stay. And, this, and in that village, there was a, a young girl. And uh, the young girl was, um, have a friend, a boyfriend, and they, they started to have a affair before they got married. And somehow the, the young girl got pregnant, and, um, and she got pregnant, and she got really, really, really worried. And, um, and the boyfriend also got really worried. So the, the boyfriend ran away, and the, um, the, the, um, the young girl got so worried that, oh, okay, the, um, the, fam the parents would get really angry and, and um, punish her. So as her, as her pregnancy, um, uh, as her tummy become bigger and bigger, so she finds that she can't hide it anymore. And she, she found she don't want the boyfriend to get in trouble, but the boyfriend also ran away. Yeah. So, it's, so the young girl would say, okay, what, what can I do? Okay, I mean, I know what I do. I'll, I'll blame that, that, that old monk up in the hills. So one time, the, uh, the young girl told the parents uh, that, oh, yeah, she's pregnant. Uh, and the parents got really angry. Uh, and the village people got really angry. Uh, who's the, uh, who's the, um, the father? Uh, and um, she said, oh, um, is that old monk uh, that's living up in the hills? Uh, then the village people got really angry. Uh, so they all, all got together with the, uh, the young girl and went, walked up, up to the hills to confront the um, the, the old monk. So I went and see the old monk. And he asked him, you old monk, you dirty old monk. Look at what you've done, done to my daughter. Sir. You should be ashamed of yourself. What kind of person you are. So they all harang and, 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 and scolded and uh, shouted at, at the, uh, the old monk. And the old monk was just saying, oh, also, also. So, hmm, just, just waiting, sir. Yeah. Also, so after that, the, all the village people went away and went went down back to the village. And the, the old monk said, oh, a bit of drama, but so, also, also, so I think so. They carry on. So as the, um, the young girl, as her tummy got bigger and bigger, then she gave birth to the child. So, and the parents say, okay, the, the, the old, monk, old monk must be punished for that. So they all, they all went up together in a group with the, the girl and the baby, and they, they scolded the monk again, you, you dirty old monk, you bad monk, 
So you're done. You, you made this happen. So it's your responsibility here to take care of the baby girl. So basically, they dump the, the, the baby child to the, the old man to take care of. And the old man say, oh, so, uh, so. <laughs> so that's, that's not, nothing much you can do. So that the old man take care of the child. And um, because being an old monk, simple monk, you, you know, I haven't been married before, been celibate his whole life. Um, don't know much about taking a child. So he tried best. So he went out into the forest and managed to trap a, um, a goat and uh, took a female goat back so he can milk the, the uh, milk and to uh, feed the baby girl. So, uh, yeah, so the old man took care of the baby girl for quite a long time, for about maybe, yeah, until the, the child got older and older. And uh, yeah, so as the child got older and older, and the old monk will teach the child how to meditate, how to behave, how to be a, a good human being, and how to basically take care of herself and take care of the monastery. So it's been um, more than 10 years, maybe 15 years, 16 years later. And um, the, the little girl grew up to be quite a beautiful, well-behaved, polite, and hardworking person. So, um, yeah, and uh, that young lady, or young girl, um, was out one time collecting mushrooms in the forest. And uh, some for some reason, uh, maybe it's to do with Carmel, she bumped into uh, her mom again. But at that time, they didn't know one another. So she was collecting mushrooms in the forest. Then, she heard a lady just uh, yelling in pain. And she went over there and she found this older lady in pain on in the forest. Um, like basically she treated her herself while collecting firewood to bring back to home. And she went there and asked, Ah, oh, Auntie, how are you? Because in Asian country, you see you call an older person that's older than you, Auntie or Uncle. So we've got auntie, what's wrong? Are you okay? And the older lady was saying, that, oh, I just tripped and hurt my, hurt my leg. And the young lady said, oh, it's okay. I'll carry you back to your village. And the lady say, the older lady say, oh, that's very kind of you. But how about my firewood? Because I need to bring that down so they can cook tonight. And the, and the, the younger lady said, no, it's okay, no worries. I'll carry you back to your village. Then I'll come back and bring the firewood. So she basically took her out in the back and carried the, the older lady back to the village. And when she dropped her off, she said, okay, she'll go back and collect the firewood and bring it back to, to her. So she went back up, up, up to the hills, collect the firewood and bring it back down, down to her house. Yep. And the, um, the, the lady was so grateful and she asked her, the young girl would say, oh, you should stay and um, meet my family and uh, basically have a drink, have a tea before you go back. And she, she says, no, I need to go back soon. The, older lady, the younger lady says, I need to go. And I finish collecting my mushroom and bring back to my master. And the, the young, the, the um, older lady was quite curious. He said, who's your master? And they say, oh, my master is that older monk. They're staying up in the hills up in the 
little hermitage on Leon Monastery. And after that, she left. Uh, and, and the older lady was going, wow, she's staying up in the hills. Uh, she's wondering, she must be my daughter. Uh, because when, I, when she was young, <laughs> her whole family went up there and dumped, dumped, the, dumped the little baby girl off, 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 off to the old monk a lot after and blame, blame him, blame him uh, for all the, all the problems. Uh, yeah. So uh, saying that, that that young lady yeah, is so polite yeah, and so mannered, yeah, quite pretty too. Yeah. So um, she she was thinking and thinking and thinking. Yeah, because after when um, after the child, she she never remarried, and she was basically single yeah, with, with with her parents. Yeah. So she was thinking and thinking, wow, what she, can she do? Yeah? Like she always wanted a, a child, yeah, and now there's a really um, polite. Um, person living up in the hills, uh, so she decided to um, to confess to the parents. Uh, so she told the parents and told the village people what happened, uh, and the the village people and the parents got so um, upset uh, and sad uh, and angry towards herself what had happened uh, that they blamed the um, the old monk uh, for uh, what happened to her daughter. So they all got together and they all marched up the hill. And they saw the old monk, and they all backed down, and they all asked for give, beg forgiveness, cry, and say that they are really bad. They have blamed the, the old monk for um, what happened to the daughter. And they asked for forgiveness and everything, and they asked if they can uh, take back the their young um, daughter back to the village. And the old monk said, "Oh, also, also, okay, so yeah." So after that. The, um, the older monk saying, well, well, what can you do? Because um, they are your parents and they're asking you to go back eh? and they're not blaming the, um, the older monk for the problem in the beginning again. And well, the older monk saying, and the day he's asked, is it up, up to the, um, the young lady to decide yeah, for herself eh, if she wants to go back eh, or stay in the monastery? Yeah? And that's the end of the story. So sometimes in life, uh, things are always changing and also unexpected. Uh, so sometimes we are blamed for things that we have not done properly, or we didn't did, or we are, or we are praised for things that we have not even done. Uh, it's not our fault. Uh, so life is very uncertain. Uh, so when praise and blame comes, uh, problem comes. Sometimes it's always good to accept things uh, with a heart of equanimity. Uh, so that's a short story. Hopefully it's not too short. Okay, so we'll finish for the Dharma Talks. And you see, and we finish, I always invite any of our audience if they have any questions. Thank you very much, Bhante, for the talk and the story. Uh, we have three questions online at the moment. So I'll read out the, uh, the first one for you. It's a bit of a personal question in a way, Bhante. Uh, Bhante, if you were to leave the monastic life now, would you have enough dharma in your heart to maintain the practice and still achieve liberation? Okay, to be to be honest, uh, when I was practicing as, as a monastic, um, when I was still a quite junior monk uh, at that time, um, I did talk about it myself. Uh, maybe I can practice and. Um, for maybe a few years to 
to trade years and go back to the go back to lay life and continue to um, practice. But I realized when I went to visit my family yeah, um, during the um, the holidays, especially in December, yeah, you see when my parents, my dad, come back from the mines, and my brothers and sisters um, take the um, Christmas. Uh, and the long weekend holidays, I go and visit them. Then I realize when I'm at home, uh, there's a lot of distraction, uh, and I find that my meditation will slowly go down, uh, lose traction, uh, because um, I can get caught up with a bit of worldly life, uh, just being, being around with my family, uh, because my mind will start to scatter, uh, and I'll start to almost think like a lay person uh, and have. Uh, worldly desires arise in my heart. Le. But when I go back home, because I know I was only at home for maybe two weeks or a little bit longer than two weeks. Eh? But when I went back home, eh, then I find all this uh, anxiety eh? or also um, like anxiety of missing my family. Eh? Um, when it will disappear after like a few days, eh? then my meditation will pick up again. That I realize that yeah, this, this is an attachment, eh? and this attachment is very strong, and it will pull me back to the to lay life. Eh? If I stay at home too long, eh? or associate with lay people too much, eh? yeah, and but if I stay in the monastery, then I, I realize the um, the ill path and the Dharma practice will arise in my heart strongly again. Eh? So yeah, so I realize it is quite difficult. You can practice. As a lay person at home, but you basically have to live like a monastic, stay by yourself, constantly take care of your mind, and um, practice. Because I have met lay, lay people, uh, they are in their fifties and sixties and seventies. They have very good meditation. Uh. Sometimes meditation is even better than monks, uh, but they have been practicing for like all their life, and um, sometimes they're staying by themselves, and uh, the, the kids are all move out. And sometimes they partner pass away. So basically, they're basically by themselves and living a life as a monastic. Um, as for myself, going back to lay life, um, that is very unlikely because I find that if I'm in the monastery, I'm more peaceful and more happy. And um, yeah, it's just more quite relaxed and quite peaceful. And um, if I'm back in a lay life, I find it becomes a burden again, just working, um, yeah, and just um, looking for a job. Le, and and after a while, the mind becomes so scattered. Le, and uh, it will slowly affect my health too. Le. And I mean, I've been a monk for like about four, 12, over 12 years. Le. Yeah, I'm just more happier le, as a monastic. Le. And, and I see lay life le, for myself. It does not lead anywhere. It's just more of a burden. It's basically working and enjoying yourself. And um, I think I try doing that when as a lay person, coming to the monastery, staying for like a month or longer, and going back to practice as a lay person, as a lay person for 10, 11 years. And I find it's very hard to get traction. So I mean, at that time, I was still quite young. I only ordained when I was 23. Yeah. No, not 23, 33, so later on. So who knows? I mean, I don't know. I think, um, yeah, unless, unless the whole monastery fall apart, and um, the monastic start to um, 
argue and fight one another, and um, and the monster gets sold off, and there's no monster to stay here. Um, but if that happened, I'll probably just become a hermit and stay by myself in a small hermitage. <laughs> so yeah, this roving is the chance for me is very, very unlikely. Yeah, yeah. Even if the whole monster or partner and all the monks start to um behave really badly, yeah, and um yeah, maybe I might just just go back to um um lay life uh, shortly uh, and um scout around uh, to look for a monster to go and ordain overseas uh. yep but i think most likely i'll be just become a hermit uh, and i'll be running out my, my my own simple hermitage somewhere else uh, far away mm -hmm. that's a monastic okay anyway it's a, it's a speculation <laughs> okay thank you <laughs> we trust that never ever happens i don't uh, know <laughs> The next question, Bhante, is how to deal with anger and helplessness when I'm affected by events I cannot do anything about? Mm. Yeah, it's quite difficult. Yeah. Ooh, when when that happened, sometimes it's good to have a break. Yeah. I mean, when I was here, the first two years, uh, supporting this place, uh, second year I was supporting this place, my friend left overwhelmed work and he, he left the monastery and he gave this place away to manage and it was quite difficult the first two years you had to deal with work um, deal with um, problems with the committee problems from the monastic and sometimes have to deal with um, guests that are staying in the monastery and some of them can come in with um, emotional problems uh, and uh, they, they can become very aggressive uh, and uh, sometimes if some misunderstanding with other guests and other monastic then they can um, start to um because i was the guest monk at the time so they can come and uh, start arguing with me yeah? and uh, one case uh, i just calmly listened uh, to that guest uh, and he was shouting at me for like almost 20 minutes uh, and uh, after that uh, i go wow this guy was just really lost the plot uh. <laughs> but I'm, and I'm used to it <laughs> used to it before uh, because of all my training as a monastic uh, so i just accepted the the shouting and the screaming and the yelling and the putting down there uh, because he just he was so aggressive uh, i just say okay no worries uh, he just he just need to um uh, get it off his chest so he got it off his chest and i left him alone and uh, later on he came and apologized and he, he told me that because he just three years is his farmers uh, because um he came from a very abusive family uh, there's a family his dad was very abusive uh, towards him uh, plus his family yeah. so he was conditioned that way to to react like, it was just a way for him to cope to uh to cope like. first of all human being yeah. it's either fight or, or flight yeah so he, he, he chose to um to, to fight yeah so i go okay no worries i mean the problem came the problem the, the whole problem came about like, was he, he was using a chainsaw and um and i i told another monk yeah, to tell tell the um the guests uh, to wear safety equipment uh, and don't 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 use the chainsaw without uh, wearing safety equipment uh, because if they have an accident uh, then the monastery is um liable uh. but i think that monk went and told him that and told him too many things uh, saying that i was like i don't trust him he trust his work and stuff uh, and he got really offended uh, and he came and shouted at me for 20 minutes uh, non-stop uh. it triggers it triggers it triggers his motion and I, I, I basically I apologize. I say, look, end of the day, 
I'm in charge of the guests, I'm in charge of work, and the main, most important thing is safety. Like you must wear, you must work with someone, you must wear safety equipment, and if there's an accident, the monastery is not, not liable, because if you hurt yourself, the monastery is liable, and, you, and the, the, your family might sue us. So, uh, so the intention was specific for his own safety. Yeah. yeah. So that's why, that's why I told him not to um, do things like that. Right? <laughs> yeah, but he took it the wrong way. Yeah. So that's, that's mon monastic life. You try your best and you still get blamed for me. Mm. So that question is quite, quite common. Eh? I, I get um, asked that quite a lot. Eh? Sometimes when dealing with difficult people, eh, you have to set a boundary with difficult people. And you must have a lot of patience eh? and understanding and learn not to react. Because if two people react, eh, then things get worse. Eh? And you see, like, this is just causing conditions. When there's a cause, there's always a condition. And you accept it for what they are. Eh? Yeah. So that way, because in Buddhism, there's a concept of non-self. The more we buy into this reaction, eh, then it will trigger our emotion. And when you trigger emotions, eh, the other person is, is reacting and you start to react eh, too. Eh? So react with calmness to see if, if we get shouted at, it's just noise. Noise coming in, let the noise come in and let it go out. And we don't hold on to um, to the um, to the problem. Because when I was giving, teaching a meditation in with my friend, with Pantipoli Dacha in Jana Grove, there's about 60, 50 people there. And that's the question that came out, dealing with um, um, difficult people or things that is out of control. And I say sometimes it's just kindness towards ourselves and other people. Uh, be patient. And after the um, the meditation finished, um, I think it's a couple of us got together uh, and uh, discussed about things. Uh, and I found uh, half the people uh, in the retreat uh, came from uh, this dysfunctional family. <laughs> I was going, wow. So it's, it's higher than what I expected. I thought maybe it might be 10%, 20%. Uh, but half the people in the monastery, in, in, oh, sorry, half the people uh, in, in the retreat that uh, come from dysfunctional families. <laughs> Maybe some of the monastic have come from dysfunctional family too. <laughs> I mean, myself, I'm a, I was a basic case, I was a lay person. Uh, and uh, um, yeah, Buddhism meditation helped me to overcome it. Uh, if not, I'll be a, a su suicidal, depressed regular, <laughs> working out the minds. Okay, anyway, I hope that I'll answer some of your questions. <laughs> Thank you, Bhante. Uh, next question is, how do you bring yourself back to a calm mind when your thoughts run away from you while meditating? Oh, okay. It is very difficult. Huh? So when um, meditation is, is calming our thoughts and our feelings and also our memories and, and to ground our awareness within this mind and body, so when our thoughts scatter all a lot of different emotions uh, and feelings, uh, uh, it can be depression, anger, anxiety, uh, worry, uh, or just just a restless mind. Sometimes it's good to go for a walk, go for a walk in the park. Um, if if, it's, if 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 the restriction is, if you can go for a walk, you can if due to the restriction COVID, you can go for a walk. Just, just walk around the um, 
the garden uh, in the monastery. Sometimes um, the um, the lay guests of the monastic here will go for a walk around the monastery or up into the forest. Because the forest does have a quite, quite a calming um, um, environment for one's heart and mind. Because um, I was talking to one of my monk, monk Prenda, monastic friend, and he was quite unwell in the monastery. So he went and stayed with his friend, um, a lay friend, close to the um, the beach. Yeah. And he would go, go for a daily walk around the beach and um, in the ocean. And that have a very calming um, um, effect on his heart and his mind. Yeah. So in the, in the, in the monastery, uh, at home, Sometimes when your mind is racing around the place, or quite chaotic, yeah? sitting down, meditating, yeah? it's going to make it worse <laughs> because our mind is, is not relaxed. The, the conditions are there, like, especially if you're busy a lot and you haven't uh, developed deep meditation yet. Yeah. So sometimes it's good to go for a walk, just go relax a bit. Then when you come back, then do, do the meditation. But you find that even even you do meditation like, and your mind is not settled yet, like, and do walking meditation. Walking meditation is basically walking back and forward in one location and just being aware of the sensation of your feet touching the floor, rising and rising and passing away from your right and left feet as you walk. Walking meditation is being aware of the sensation because sometimes those energies, anxiety or worry or anger becomes quite grounded in your body, yeah? so it has to go, allow it to wear away, yeah? or disappear, or flow away, yeah? so meditation is good. Once your body becomes calm, peaceful, then you go back to meditation. So what meditation does? It calms the mind, and it distances ourselves from the problem. Then it brings awareness back to our, our breath and our, our body. The more we are aware of our breath and our body, then things become calm, more calm and more settled. So basic meditation, let, let things go. So when we let things go, then peace and happiness will arise naturally. Okay. Thank you, Bhante. We have one last question. Uh, I will try to explain this. It's a little bit complicated. So uh, the person is asking for suggestions how to navigate the middle ground between an intellectual understanding of the illusion of self mm-hmm. and also and having some moments of selfless experience, but also falling back into self-centeredness. So how do, how do we navigate between the idea of non-self, but also finding that sometimes we are being very self-centered? Oh, okay. Um... Hmm. It is a quite typical. I mean, for for monastic, um, they're staying here. Let's lower down the volume so we don't have an echo. Um, for monastic, they're staying in Bodhiyana, also here. They have a very intellectual mind. They find that sometimes to to calm the mind down, um, to stillness is difficult. So sometimes. It's good to um, just um, practice awareness. Awareness is just watching our thoughts, watching our feelings, watching our our our, uh, our memories. As these thoughts and memories and feelings comes and go, it's always arising and passing away. 
the more you watch it, the more we see it is as a process that's playing out. As long as we, we distance ourselves from our thoughts, not by, by thinking, just by awareness, watching all these things that's happening in your mind and our body, then the more we watch it, the more we understand it um, through insight, insight of seeing cause and condition. So when we watch the rising and passing way of, of all these thoughts and feelings and memories, uh, and you see the process arising, uh, um, things that we do um, that will lead to uh, suffering to ourselves and other people, uh, then we see it's, it's just a process, just karma playing out. Uh, so when we watch and uh, understand all these things playing out, uh, then we, we wisdom will rise. When wisdom arises, uh, we see things clearly uh, through um, through insight yeah because for um for a person who have a lot of intellectual mind sometimes thinking too much yeah, is, is not a solve our problem sometimes we have to learn to um sit back yeah, and be a a, a as a as a world, just like watching the clouds passing passing by yeah. and like, like watching the, the kangaroos the wombats the um the eagles and stuff yeah. When you watch stuff in nature, you learn a lot. So same thing with, with our thoughts and emotion. We learn to sit back and just watch things. Watch things with a calm mind. Then when we, the more we watch, the more we understand. Okay, I hope that, 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 is, um, that, that is useful. Thank you very much, Bhante. That was the last question. So that's the end of this morning's talk. Thank you again. Okay, thank you. Thanks for coming and joining the um, the Dhamma talk. And uh, yeah, so I hope it's a good talk. Uh, anyway, it's, if it's a bad talk, then uh, anyway, I just accept it. This is causing condition. <laughs> also, anyway, if I say anything wrong, my body, speech, or mind, uh, mainly my speech, uh, since the Dhamma talk, uh, um, I'm not, I'm not a, re a really intellectual person. Uh, usually, my practice is by experience. Uh, so yeah, so please forgive me if I say anything wrong um, and if it's a bad talker. But anyway, even if it's a bad talker, it's just causing condition. <laughs> no worries, thank you. Okay. Uh, yeah, so um, have a good evening, afternoon or morning. And it's lifetime for the mugs now. Okay, take care.